and welcome! It's time for another podcast. I am Diane Kamikaze here for WFMU. My guest today is Ben Falgoust of Goat Horror, the vocalist of Goat Horror and of Soylent Green. This interview is from 2007, so you'll hear Ben talking about their first Metal Blade release. They were just signed a Metal Blade for um, A Haunting Curse back then, and since they... uh, since then, they've put out four releases on Metal Blade. The most recent one is Constricting the Rage of the Merciless. One of the reasons why I dug up this interview, 10-year-old interview, is that Goat Horror is touring. From mid-February to mid-March, they're going to be in the United States, touring with Whitechapel, Cattle Decapitation, and Allegion. I think Whitechapel is not on the Pittsburgh show, but otherwise that's the full package. And you need to check out Goat Horror Live. If you haven't seen them, now is the time to do so. They have honed their craft so well. And uh, their website, or as they like to say, their sanctioned propaganda web portal for Goat Horror is goathorror.net. They've got a YouTube channel, which is Goat Horror Nola on YouTube. They're on Bandcamp. They are on Facebook and all that other lovely stuff. They are all over. They're just oozing all over the internet. So now please listen to a little conversation with Ben Falgust and myself, Diane Kamikaze. Do stay tuned. So I'm here with Ben from Goat Horror. You guys have a new album out called A Haunting Curse. It's on the Metal Blade Records label. And you were on tour with Silent when Katrina hit? Yeah. Yeah, I was on a tour. It was the Confrontation album had come out a little bit before, and then we were out in support of that. And it was Soren Green, A Perfect Murder, uh, Watched Him Die, and Into the Moat. Awesome. But yeah, I was on. so I was on the road. So when it went down, we were actually... I think we were in Davenport, Iowa when it actually was coming onto land. We was playing a show that night. And then from there, a lot of us, we lost connection with a lot of people there. Because it seemed, like if you have a cell phone and it has your area code, I guess since the towers and all went down there, you couldn't get in touch with anybody. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was impossible to use cell phones. And, and actually, since my phone had the area code from there, people were trying to call me and couldn't get in touch with me. And it was weird, though, because I could call out to people outside of Louisiana, but I couldn't receive calls or make calls to people at home. So wow. things were kind of questionable until, like, like, I got online and I got in touch with my sister and all because my whole family went to uh, Tyler, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. I have an uncle that lives there. So oh, okay. they all went there, you know, and I got in touch via email and everything and started sorting through things. But we just basically stayed on the road until it was feasible to be able to go back in because they, they allowed you a point to go back in and then get some things you might need and then leave again so they can they didn't want everybody in there because the military was there and they were trying to get things sorted out and they didn't need clumps of people everywhere right. you know to right. confuse everything because like the evening we went in when we were leaving we saw how all these huge Humvees and everything were coming in to kind of help clear things up and Mm -hmm. check through houses and things like that. So they didn't need extra people all over the place in the way of these operations that were going down. So they let you come in for three days 
everybody could come in, sort out things, check their place, leave, and then just wait a couple of weeks until they were capable to start letting people flow back in. So, you know, it was it was a lengthy process and everything, but, you know, overall, I didn't really lose anything. I've had family members that lost a bunch of issues. You know, I had, I had three sisters, and all three of my sisters' places got messed up. You know, I had one sister. She had, like, four to six feet of water in her place. And another sister had slight water, and then this other sister I have had, like, her roof came off, so all the water was coming in through the top of the house and everything. So it ruined, like, the kitchen and the den. So she had to stay. It was it was crazy because at a point, all of my sisters were staying at my mom and dad's house. So it was like everybody was bothered. So it was my oldest sister, her husband, their little boy, and my other two sisters, and then my mom and dad all staying in the house that, you know, we pretty much grew up in part of our life so it was like that it was like that with a lot of people you know it was like that with like the drummer of Swan. his parents lived in Chalmette east of the city that got totally hit I mean their house was underwater so they ended up staying you know with him at his house out in Kenner Louisiana so you know you saw a lot of that for a while where people were living like families that you know lived in the area but kind of distance from each other ended up living in one house together for a while until things got sorted out you know i mean things are still getting sorted out but you know some people say you know they blame whatever and blame this but i mean if you look at it too in a way it's like you can only allow with as much living space and things that are damaged you can only allow so much construction people to come in to be able to help rebuild and it, of course it takes a lengthy period of time as well so it's like if they don't have the, the facilities to bring in huge amounts of construction teams then yeah things are going to be slightly slow it's going to take five ten years until right. it's back to its normality you know it's it's a lengthy process but it's it's kind of cool being on a road with Gohor because we've been out so much that you get to see the progress, you know. Like right. when you when you're there, you really don't see it, you know. You don't really see anything go on, but when you leave and come back and leave and come back, you're like, oh wow, well that's changed. These places are open more now, or this area of the city is open more now, or like for a, for a while. I mean, New Orleans was always like the 24/7 city. Everything right. was open 24/7, but now things do shut down still because they don't have enough people and everything still to work in certain places so some of the food places that used to be open all night close at like 10 o'clock you know so it's funny because uh cattle just played there we weren't on the tour with them yet but we were home for a couple of days after we finished the celtic frost tour and cattle called me up and it was like 12 o'clock and they're like so where's it where's a good place to go eat and i was like um you're not gonna believe this but there's nowhere to go eat at this at 12 now and they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, since the storm, there's not any places like that. So yeah, a lot of stuff hadn't been rebuilt yet. Or yeah, rebuilt, or they just don't have the workforce yet, too. There's a problem with that as well. You know, right. I mean, they have like McDonald's and Burger Kings are offering people ten dollars an hour to work there and giving them a bonus because it's hard to get people to work because there's only so many people too that are living there. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people move to Baton Rouge and things like that and other parts of Louisiana. So in the rebuilding, it's going to take a little while and, you know, people working and everything. So, But things are, to me, they're going kind of smooth. They're slow, but like I said, there's nothing you can really do about it at that point. You know, you just give it its time. So how long was it before you got in touch with the members of Goat Horror when you were out on the road with Soylent when Katrina happened? It was probably about the same time as I got I got in touch with, like, family members and everything, you know. Because actually the, the crazy thing was you started to find out that you could text message, but you couldn't call. Oh. 
So it was capable to do that. I don't know why. I mean, the cell phone was always being an amazing, weird thing that goes on, you know. I've noticed, like, for the first time I noticed it was a weird thing was I don't think they've yet maneuvered that if you have a ton of people in one area, like a lot, like, say, during Mardi Gras in New Orleans, if you tried to make calls, you had problems because it was too much of a compound amount of people in one little spot, you know. And I don't think they've been able to work out the fact of, that much call volume in a certain small zone going through all their signals right, so right. I think there's some you know some faults in it which anything like that has faults it's cool it's it's just gonna take its time so right. we stay out on the road <laughs> <laughs> and then you recorded we recorded in Florida but we did go so after someone came back and then we all kind of went our separate ways to take care of whatever family stuff personal stuff I got in touch with everybody in Goat Whore and at the point of that happening that was at the middle point of writing for a haunting curse mm -hmm. so it was only half the album done and uh, Metal Blade was like, look, we know everything was kind of bad there, so, you know, we're not expecting y'all to go in. But we took it as an opportunity to finish writing the record. So our drummer's from Phoenix, and so we went ahead and went out there for a month and a half and finished writing A Haunting Curse. So in a way, it was almost like a beneficial thing, you know? There's you know, nothing else you could do. But then at the same time, you know, Metal Blade's saying that, and we're like, no, we should take advantage of this. You know, we should take advantage of going somewhere together, of us four, and working on this thing and getting it done and going into the studio the time we wanted to go in so it doesn't delay this, you know? They've always had, with like bands like, you know, with Go or with Song, with everything, delays in things coming out you know van accident that i was involved with you know so it was always these things where things staggered so for one that was in my head of like i don't want another thing that kind of slows up the process you know it slows up because we we have so much work to do and especially you know would be in metal blade behind us you know it was a different thing for us it was a new step oh, yeah. so we didn't want to just like okay okay we'll get to it so you know we made sure things were all right at home and then we were all like told family friends whatever like, well look we're going to phoenix for a month and a half and we're going to finish writing this record and then we'll go in the studio right at the beginning of february next year and that's how it worked out we went into the studio in florida with eric rutan in st petersburg florida so you know everything was like in a sense the hurricane was actually uh, like a, a good omen for this band you know it kind of helped it it gave it something a reason to use you know to go over the top and complete this thing right. instead of letting like push it push the process yeah. yeah did eric do a silent record with you yeah yeah Is he that? did the last one one two confrontation i mean i liked his work a lot with that and he's a really good guy to work with he's He's he'll make you work really hard. <laughs> oh, like no, no, you you do want that, but like he's really really militant about it. You know, he's like he makes you go over it a lot. Sometimes you just like you're drained because he's done made you bust ass with it so much. But the end result is awesome. Oh so. yeah, totally. So he does he does a completely amazing job at his stuff. You know, and he takes a lot of pride in it. And he doesn't want to just. You know, it's almost like he's in the band where he doesn't, he's like, I don't want it to come out and sound like this because it reflects on all of us. You know, I don't want you to have that and I don't want me to have that because, oh, you know. 
You so, want him to take that that kind of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. definitely, definitely. There's many a times you went in the studio and the guy was just like, yeah, that sounds good, that sounds good. And then when everything's done, you're just like, God, I knew we should have did it this way. And we just, it was just so lackadaisy and everybody just did whatever, you know. Well, yeah, if you have a producer or engineer that's not showing any enthusiasm, it's harder for you to keep going that way, yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. But he did, he did an awesome job, you know. We're really stoked with the record, you know. And we've already talked about going to him for the next record. And, oh, cool. and the thing about him, too, is he is definitely a person that if you did something with him, the next time you go in with him, he wants to beat that out, you know. He's right. achieving to make it better, right, you know. Right. Ooh, well, I mean, good. you guys are, too, I would think. No, definitely. The band <laughs> is, you know. But, you know, he has that in his head, you know. And he, it's funny because... You'll, you'll explain, you're like, yeah, we, we really want to come back. And he kind of gets a little stressed because he's working to beat himself, you know, in, right. a, in, a, in a sense. So, right. well, so like, you make him do, your, yeah, yeah. do his homework because yeah. he makes you, I mean, if he, you know, pushes you and like, no, do it again, do it again, do it again, tell him what you expect. Yeah. You know? No, definitely, definitely, definitely. Ways, he's great. Yeah. He's a great person to work with, though, man. Definitely. I worked with him twice, and he's, he's really cool, man. I have to ask you about touring with Celtic Frost and with Venom. You have to tell me at least a story. You have to tell me like a Tom Warrior story or something. Um. Okay, I think I can tell you actually a Chronos story. Oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, well, first off, you know, it was amazing playing with both of those bands, you know, especially being such an influence on Goator in general, a band like that, you know. It's like, whatever, it's like a, a new little metalcore kid touring with like Killswitch Engage or something, you know. It would be some kind of like idolistic thing and kind of... Surrealistic, actually, because oh, yeah. you get there and you're like, "Wow, this is this is crazy," you know. And it, it could really burst your bubble too, depending, you know. Yeah. Well, the, actually, there's two cool things with Venom. There's a bunch of cool things with Celtic Frost too, but the cool two things with Venom is the first one was in De in Denver, Colorado. We played with them. It was just like ten shows too. They only did like ten dates in the. Yeah. Years. Why did the New Jersey show get canceled? Do you know? I'm not sure, man. The promoter just pulled out of the show, oh, really? like uh, the day before, right. and we didn't really get a, a reason for it. Whatever. I went that night since we were off. I went and saw Macedon and Converge. That's where I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. saw Zach. I yeah, 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 yeah. So that was a cool thing to get out of it. Denver, they had bus problems, and their bus broke down and it had to get fixed. So they flew into Denver. So they called us and they asked us to borrow our equipment. When they had set up, they had the kit, and they had, like, six stacks on this side, six, six stacks on this side, you know, guitar, bass. It was huge. And so they used our stuff, which is, like, two guitar stacks and two bass rigs. But the thing about it was it was so cool to see them play like that because it looked so, like, traditional. You know right. what I'm saying? It yeah. looked like early Venom. Right, and not rock star. And yeah, yeah, not some big crazy stage setup and everything. And it was cool. It was awesome to see him play on that, you know. It actually sounded really, really good, too, you know. And then near the end of the 10 shows, I think it was we had played West Springfield, Virginia, and we were hanging out earlier that day, and Kronos came, and he sat down, and he just talked to us, you know, for like an hour and a half, and just talked about stuff. And he told stories about when he was a kid, and he used to be in plays and stuff like that and everything. And it was just cool, just that, and, you, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, dude, this is Kronos telling us these stories about when he was a kid. You Did know? you call him Kronos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he And he was a really cool guy, you know. I mean, for a while at the beginning of the tour, you didn't see much of him. You know, they went in the dressing room, they didn't really communicate a lot, and they just came out and played. And, I mean, they were, they were polite and everything, but they never did, like, hang out or anything. Right. And, uh... 
I mean, it's understandable too. They're they're a little older and they probably have done that in their day, you know. And they're like, ah, over that. I've drank as much as I could. I've done this and done that. I don't. Right. I just want to play the show and then relax myself. Well, and they may not know that you really appreciate their music. Yeah. Also, they may just think that, that you're some young band being thrown on this tour and you don't know. You know, Venom yeah. may not mean anything to you. No, definitely. But you know, as we got close to the end, you know, he was like, "Wow, I really appreciate y'all being out on this tour and everything." And uh, you know, he told us his little stories about when he was younger, and he told us his stories of when Venom started, and then kind of like when Hellhammer and Celtic Frost kind of started, and there was like a conflict, kind of in a sense, between the two bands and everything, which is cool, you know, because then too, after since doing Venom and then going into the Celtic Frost tour, you get to hear that side of the story right. too. So you get to hear the the two sides and see where things go which is which is awesome it's like old old vendettas in a sense you yeah, know yeah, yeah. but in all essence they really kind of appreciate each other because they were both bands that made an impact on you know those styles of music i mean basically venom pretty much stylized the black metal term you know oh, yeah, yeah. and then celtic frost just influenced influence like a lot of genres you know a lot of people talk about how they influence just black metal but do they influence like obituary so you have death metal they influence uh napalm death talked about how they influence it so you got them influence grindcore and then you know but bands like paradise lost my dying bride anethman all those bands always talk about how into the pandemonium was such an influence so they influence the doom metal scene you know so they did like black metal doom metal grindcore death metal it's like they covered the terrain fully you know and it's 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 funny because you keep reading things and you, you always hear them talk about the black metal end of things with celtic frost but it's like they've influenced so much more than that oh yeah you know? so do you like their new record yeah i really do like it you know i've listened to it a bunch and i like the fact it's it sounds like it would come after into the pandemonium right. you know in their cycle of how they were progressing into that kind of avant-garde style so but yeah i like it a lot i actually grew more attached to it too after touring with them and they were playing like a couple of songs live right you know you kind of delve into it a little more but definitely it's 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 a good record i like it a lot there's certain moments i have to listen to certain songs because some songs are real drawn out and it's not something when i'm driving down the interstate for eight hours that i want right. <laughs> to delve on i need something a little bit more of get the dotted so line coma the older, like more details stuff for the the long drives but no, it's, it was great, you know, and then Tom and, and Martin, they're amazing individuals, man, and they really, they handpicked bands that were on that tour with them, so that's another oh, cool. thing that was awesome, you know, it wasn't any kind of like agent's choice or manager's choice, they went through and was like, we want 1349, we want Sog, we want Sun, we want Goat Whore. Yeah, I noticed they had a lot of really good opening bands on that yeah, tour. That's so cool that they did the uh, did, did their homework. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And they're really they're really polite dudes, you know. And they would go out of their way, you know. In any instance, like there were some places that we played that were small, and they were like, "Look, the place is very small. If your drummer wants, he can use Franco's kit." Wow. And it's like, wow, that's awesome, you know. That's really awesome. So. You know, things, they were really cool about everything, you know, and just to hear them tell stories. And then once they got, you know, once you break that barrier of, you know, knowing each other, they started being a little sarcastic, too, which was kind of cool, you know, and they'd be a little funny about things and come say funny things, you know. So it it was cool, man. It was cool. You started to create that little bond with them, you know, and it was just like sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, dude, it's like Tom G and that's Martin Ain. That's so crazy, dude. And they're just sitting there, you know. You're just sitting there talking to Martin A, and he's talking about how he collects toys, you know. 
or whatever, like Spawn and things like that. Uh -huh. And you're like, dude, Martin Ian's sitting here telling me about how he, he still collects toys. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. Or like with Sammy, you know, him and Tom G always talk about guitar stuff. And, mm -hmm. and Sammy always hounded him about the, you know, the Celtic Frost tone. He was like, tell me the secret. Tell me how you got that tone, you know. And finally one day Tom's like, okay, I'll tell you today how I've got the tone and how I've had it all these years. Wow. And, and, you know, and, he, and Sammy would come running out the back being like, I, he told me. He told me how he got the tone. He goes, I'm stealing it. <laughs> well, Sammy has the meanest tone in metal yeah, right he now. He has a great tone. I was like, why are you worried about taking a dude's tone? He has his tone. You have your tone, man. But it's cool, you know, because it is a big influence, you know, and it's cool that, you know, we toured with them and it, they weren't some, like, people that were too high to be able, you know, yeah, they to weren't come. stuck up about who they were. Yeah, yeah. They were really cool, man, and they discussed a lot of things. So we got it was it was really cool, man. All the guys are really cool. That's so good to hear cuz that's one of those things I think I'd be afraid to meet them, you know, yeah, you, to just You get that when you first start the tour, you're just like, "Oh, man, you know, I don't really I really, you know, I'm happy to do this tour, but dude, if these dudes are are it's gonna ruin all my records like that I listen to of them just because it'll have it in my head, you know. Right. But I think that's why too I embraced monotheists even more is because the way they were and then just hearing the songs constantly. You know? Sure, and then you knew yeah. them, so you could yeah, almost yeah. see the progression. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like wow, you know, it was awesome. It was great. Very cool. I'm so glad you guys got on both of those tours. So how is your new bass player working out, and was he in on the writing process for Haunting Curse? Yeah, and he's working out great. He's an amazing bass player, man, and he's amazing, like, individual, too, as far as at the end of the night getting things packed into the trailer, you know, helping out with driving, you know, because usually, like, right now on this run, it's just the four of us, so we don't have any help. We have to yeah, kind of so. try to rotate things, you know. Most of the times we sleep in the van, like tonight we'll be doing that, you know, it's one of those fun things to do. <laughs> it's like camping. We're camping in the middle of Manhattan tonight. But uh, he's he's really good. He didn't have a lot to do with the writing, but he did have like some small input. And he was kind of new, so he didn't really want to you know, jump into it until he started to get into the groove of how things ran with Goat Whore. But he put his input in like when we were working on stuff, and he would be like, yeah, this would be cool, you know, if you did this, you know, or, or you can just try this and we can see how it sounds. So there's a couple of songs where Sammy had lyrics that him and Sammy got together and he helped Sammy kind of revise his lyrics and everything. So, you know, he helped out in that essence, too, as well. So he's new to this and this whole touring thing, he's totally new to it. But, you know, and he's never really done it before, you know, right. gone out and stayed out this long. And he was just right. kind of thrown into it. But he's handled it really well, you know. Sometimes you do see it with him, you know, and you got to be like, look, I know it's it's time kind of tough you'll be home for a few days coming up and then we'll leave again <laughs> he's he likes it sometimes he might get a bad mood but then he you know he'll come and reassure he goes look i know i had a bad mood but i'm letting you know i'm in this for the hall with everybody else so and it's really cool that with him and zach they have two new members you know within goat whore that are actually in the same direction as me and Sammy. We had other members that just at a point they didn't want to keep doing what we wanted to do, you know. Right. So we have two people that are on the same path, which helps out a lot. In the past, did the other members do writing, or has it always just been you and Sammy? With the two younger guys, is that is it sort of new to let them into the, the writing fold well, with, also? With, with like Zach, he, he's a really good drummer, you know. He's young, but he's he's a really good drummer. And, they, and the thing is, is like... 
I mean, Sammy will come up with the parts, you know, and and it's up to Zach pretty much to come up with the drum parts. So okay. it's, uh, you know, he does an amazing job with that. He kind of fell into the pocket really good because Gohor wasn't just like this, whatever, black metal, slightly death metal band that did just blast beats and then just, you know, cookie vocals and, you know, it was just one style. It had an element to it, you know, that it was kind of like it had a punk element to it. Oh, yeah. And then, cool. like, grindcore and things. So the drumming had to be, at times, kind of like a more easier version, you know, more like ACDC or some kind of right. punk kind of stuff. Well, he's got to know his his music yeah. to be able and to and he's very it. much, you know, and he was into a lot of things like that, which would help out, you know, because some people are just like, especially in this genre, they're into one thing and then... They can never branch off on it because they never grew up, you know, listening to other sorts of things. Even if it's like something as basic as Southern rock or something a little more simplified, you know. Right. Those right. kind of things give you a different element to add in to everything that you do, you know. So, but he did, he did, he does an amazing job and he did an amazing job as far as when Sammy was coming with the parts and putting in ideas as drum beats and everything. It flowed really well. Their mesh together was incredible, you know, how they worked together. So, I have to say it's awesome to have dudes that are all in that same kind of direction that want to do the same thing and they kind of understand what it needs to be. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah, Zach's an amazing drummer. And I have to say that right now I think that Goat Horror is one of the top live bands. Like, you guys just blew me away tonight, and I've been lucky enough to see you for a lot of shows. And I think you guys at the top of your game. I think, too, it has to do with us being on tour so much. <laughs> if we play that many shows in four or five months we better be tight you know and we better right, do yeah. things good well i mean so. if you're home how often do you rehearse we rehearse pretty much when we are home we usually do like say okay seven days in a week we'll probably do four to five nights in oh, a okay. week you oh, know, so whatever, that's not like, far off of a like tour three hours three hours every night you wow. know I mean, we'll just go through stuff. It is not three hours constant, you know. You go through some stuff, you chill right. out, you yap about some right, stuff. Right, and you're and writing you or whatever, trying out new stuff. And you're stuff. writing, yeah, or you're just kind of going through other different songs. So, it's, yeah, it's it's not far from it. But then there's something about the road. The road is like, like at home, yeah, you practice, but when you get out of practice, you go home to your bed or something, you right. know, and you can yeah. relax. And the road, so you finish. And sometimes the nights go on until the morning. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you sleep in a vehicle or something like that. And then you got to drive another eight hours to get to another town. Well, so. and it's your whole life, too. It's all music for that whole month or whatever it is. It's not like you've got, you know, you're going yeah, to work yeah. or anything else. You're completely immersed in it. Yeah, yeah, it's constant. So I think that's a beneficial thing, too, you know, as far as us being, quote-unquote, tight at this point <laughs> like, oh, yeah, hell you know. yeah and too you know not to you know it's i think too at a at a at an end too we're a little competitive in a way you know you get on the road with bands and you see them live and sometimes it's like wow we have to do this because right. this band's really you know cattle's really good live you know oh, yeah. uh, layer the minotaur is really good live and so is doth you know so it's like it's almost like a little push to be like, dude, we got to be a little bit more intense because we're up against these bands on this run. Yeah, everybody's you know? raising the bar. You have to keep that yeah. standard pretty much. You know, and so it's, that's a thing too. So you got that, it's in the back of your head. Not necessarily that you're like, oh, we're out to beat them out or anything, but it's just like, I guess a natural musician kind of thing where, wow, they really did a good job tonight. Or, you know, last night they did good. We're going to have to rip ass tonight you know just to kind of stay on top of things so 
it, it's kind of, it's cool because it does have a little slight competitiveness to it, you know, as far as that goes. But I think it's more of like subconscious competitiveness, you know. It's like it's not something you know you sit around and you think about. It's just something that I guess maybe like I said, it sits in the back of your mind and you just like. You want to play more intense oh, because sure. they did such an intense well, show. Well, yeah, and you're on tour, so that's what you're sort of in the band for. You're performing. You're constantly performing. When you're rehearsing, you can relax when you're rehearsing. You can have a crappy rehearsal, yeah, you yeah. know, and just be like, ah, oh, well, you know, we didn't get that much done. Or we didn't go over that stuff. I mean, on the road, that's where you're going to sell stuff. You're going to, you know, turn an audience on, and that's where you're really going to sort of make your name. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So being on Metal Blade, this is your first release on really a sort of major indie label. Yeah. Um, has it helped you economically at all? Um, it's 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 been really good so far, you know. Economically, I mean, is it making us rich or anything? Well, not necessarily. I mean, is Sammy endorsed for the guitars now? Is that actually Sammy and Nathan are endorsed okay. by uh, Moser Custom Guitars and Basses. It's a, a company. This guy Neil Moser. He used to work for BC Rich back in the day, and he came up with actually a bunch of designs that BC Rich had mm -hmm. that he didn't get credit on, oh. and he went through legal battles with them and everything, and uh, so now he does his own line of stuff, and he has, I think there's like his website is MoserCustomGuitars.com or something like that, and they, and they got endorsed by them, you know, Sammy got in touch with Neil Moser, knowing the story of the bc rich stuff you know and okay. sammy was like a fan of bc rich stuff and he was like no i'm in touch with the dude that actually came up with these things you know like he came up with the bitch and right. so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like these classic legendary bc rich guitars right. and he didn't get credit for them and then you know in time he fought against it so yeah they're endorsed by that and, and sammy has i guess it's a slight randall endorsement you know we've had some things we tried to work out with that and um he gets like his picture taken for like the randall calendar or something <laughs> yeah 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 something like that. <laughs> and uh he had a couple of heads shipped out to him you know he likes he likes randall equipment a lot so there's you know he got a few things and then also there's like sh some string company endorsements some uh like cable company endorsements and stuff like that so those things definitely you know do help out because it, it makes the road a little less expensive oh yeah you know? definitely because so you, you have things that you either get for a huge discount off or or free you right. know so so there and, there and there's new little endorsements here and there popping up so i'm sure as things progress and you know we're in front of more people's faces things will probably get better as far as that goes as well too right you know just because you're on a label doesn't necessarily mean i think it's more or less how much you're in front of people's eyes right. that makes yeah, more, the most true. difference so well but, and and right now i mean quote unquote extreme metal is getting more attention there's definitely more coverage in press over the last few years yeah no it is it is it's got a lot of a lot of attention now and it's weird because it is commercial. I mean, Catalytic Capitation has got a Cliff Bar endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Like, I oh, know. That's I'm they trying get to get food? a shoe endorsement, actually. Really? I'm trying. I, it's just, it's weird, you know. Ever since my accident, I have weird things with my feet. I've been wearing tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm trying to just sort it out to get some something small. Like, I'm talking to Draven shoes right now. Oh, cool. But I have to have a certain size and thing. And I was explaining to the guy, he's like, we'll just send it. It's cool. I was like, no, dude, you got to understand. It's not that simple. It's a little complex. Too, so you have to wear like a certain uh, like a, a certain sole. No, I don't have to have a certain inset. But you know, I gotta try the shoe on and walk around in it because if it's uncomfortable, I'm not gonna wear it. Oh, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's with anybody with any feet, but because of my situation, yeah, it can be uncomfortable immediately. Right, you know, and you so. would know it, yeah. 
and I just don't. It, it'll like a lot of the guys in the band wear boots, so they're crazy, whatever, evil boots. But and they're like, you need boots. I'm like, I can't do it, dude. They, they're uncomfortable as hell for my feet. So right. I just have my like all black on black Adidas that I usually wear. You can rock the Adidas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the white striped ones that I'm not allowed to play in. They're not as evil. Yeah, it's the full black on black ones, you know. Right. Oh, and I like the black on black hoodies that you guys are selling this tour. Well, we do that. We did like a limited edition black on black T-shirt when we were out with High on Fire, and so we decided that each tour we go out on, we're gonna do like some kind of slight limited print that's just on that tour. And if you don't get it when we on that tour, then it's gone. Right. You know, so we'll do something like that. And so on this, like, well, this is kind of bleeding in from the Celtic Frost tour because we had it on that. So we're like, we'll just keep them through this run. Once they're gone, they're gone. And then, like, for God forbid, we'll do something else right. a little different. We won't. We don't even announce or anything. We just all of a sudden we're playing. So if you come to a Go War show any given time, you'll see, like, a limited shirt there. It'll say, like, limited edition, da 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 this color or whatever. So. Just for that tour only. Yeah, yeah. And so if you see that, it's just for that run. And once they're gone, they're gone. Is the Crash and Burn cartel, is that you? Well, it's, it's, it's a friend of ours that lives in Mississippi, and he helps us out, you know, as far as merch goes and everything while we're on the road to be able to still sell stuff. So... It's kind of me, but it's uh, this friend of ours, Eric, because he runs everything while we're on tour and everything. So we can still have the, you know, the movement of merch even while being on a tour through all the websites. So if somebody comes to a show and they don't have money and they're like, well, dude, I'm going to go online to their thing and see if they sell it. So it's there for people to buy right. from that point. Talk about one of your favorite horror movies that either scared you when you were young. Or... There's a bunch of John Carpenter's The Thing is the the biggest i'm actually glad they've never remade it but don't knock on wood because who knows they might remake it but just that movie and how it ends and how they never did a sequel to it or anything is just it's amazing i know and it's it's actually a remake of an old old black and white movie but just the whole it's like it was like a hell of a head of its time the effects and everything in it and it was creepy when i was a kid and watched it it scared the out of me like big time where i lived when i was a kid this one house, there was this like long hallway that went back to my parents' bedroom, and, and at night, you know, it would get dark, and it was dark all the way to the back hallway. And my dad would be like, "I need you to go in the back, uh, me and your mom's room, and get something." And I'd be like, "Hell no!" <laughs> I'd be like, "You got to be crazy! I ain't going back there at all." Like, he's like, "Get back there and go get that thing for me." And I was like, "No, I ain't going back there unless you give me a flashlight or something, or flick on all the lights or something." <laughs> But that movie scared, it scared the crap out of me, man. Just the idea is just so crazy that like shape-shifting, you know, that alien thing, and it could take a form of anything it's come across of anywhere in the whole universe. So it, it was definitely an amazing movie, and it still is. I've watched it recently. So like, it still gives you the creeps? Yeah, it's it does it gives me the creeps a little bit, not like when I was a kid, but just the visuals of it and everything are still amazing, especially with the way people use CGI and everything nowadays, you know? And that wraps it up. Thank you to Ben Falgoust, of course. Go catch Goat Whore. They're touring. This is 2017, mid-February to mid-March in the United States with Cattle Capitation, Whitechapel, and Allegiant. Check your local listings. 
Thanks to Liz Berg for handling all the podcast technical duties. And I am Diane Kamikaze to be back next month, if not sooner, with another podcast for you fabulous people and WFMU.